Welcome to the Walkie Talkie Podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Matt. And we are going to talkie some walkies. So we have just watched Season 7, Episode 12, Say Yes. Say Yes. You know, when I hear that, I remember when I was a kid in elementary school, The we'd do the school pictures, and they had uh-huh. the same guy every year who would come in, and he wouldn't say, say cheese. He would always just go, say yes. And he had what? like this southern accent. He'd say yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd go to say yes. And it was so awkward because you'd be like, what What do you say? Do you, do you say it sounds like yes. Say yes. Y- yes. And your pictures always turned out terrible. <laughs> so that's, that's the summary of the story. Yes. <laughs> pictures when you say yes, not good. <laughs> Just don't do it. Say yes. <laughs> so... Uh, We've decided that we are going to move our um, rating of the episode to the end of this episode. Um, so it's like we'll justify our opinions first, and then we'll give our, our final final opinion. I feel like that's good, yeah. too, because it gives us a chance to influence each other's ratings. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess we'll start off by just giving brief overview of our our pros and cons, and then we'll mm-hmm. get into the chronological stuff, and then we'll give our our numerical rating at the end. Okay. Uh, So Matt, why don't you start us off? Well, I quite liked Rick and Michonne's story. I did not like Rosita. Really? I thought you you would love that part. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) See, for me, it was the reverse. I just love the Rosita stuff. Like I could have watched that the whole time. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. But yeah, yeah, keep going. I did I did like the Rick and Michonne stuff. I have some problems with it. So, you know, it's not perfect. But overall, I thought that was uh, a nice spin on giving us a Rick and Michonne arc that proves their chemistry. You know, it's kind of like leans into it a little bit more than yeah. usual. Um, yeah, definitely. Because I, I think they really do have a lot of chemistry, and I I think the relationship makes sense. And the, one thing that I walked away from this episode realizing was I've never seen Rick, and I saw this more in the second viewing, but I've never seen Rick so comedic. Mm, yeah. He had some lines that he delivered with some comedic expression that I didn't know they would ever do on The Walking Dead. Like, it seemed very true to life. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily circumstantially within the horde of walkers, but he delivered it in a way that seemed like, okay, I could see him doing this in real life. Right. Or saying this in real life. Yeah. So it was believable. Mm-hmm. It was like Michonne brings out that side of it. Right. And I, I would say, though, that... I think we have seen that side of Rick before, but it was actually with Michonne. Um, oh, really? I would say so, yeah. Like, I'm going all the way back to when he and Carl and her, or she, uh, when they, the three of them were um, on their way to Terminus. I want to say that there was some of that kind of dynamic oh, between okay. them. okay. I don't remember. Yeah. I, I think one, 
line in particular stuck out to me tonight. Um, it was the line that he, they were behind the dumpster and he said, you take eight or something. And then she's like, you're leaving me with eight. And he's like, you can take eight. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. That this was is good. the way that he delivered it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so that, that was my highlight. Another highlight, honestly, was Gabriel. <laughs> I can imagine why. <laughs> Could it have something to do with the way he talked to Rosita, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little. Yeah. Oh, I didn't like the the um the the junkyard bunch. Oh, I, I'm I'm getting to not like them more and more each oh, week. Oh man. Okay. Well yeah, we'll have to get into that more. Um I, I feel like I'm really on the same page with you with what you just said there. I uh concerns some frustrations with this episode uh i did appreciate the rick and michonne stuff but there was one particular scene that just really got me going and we'll talk about it when we get there does it rhyme with blen with what (laughs) does it rhyme with blen with blen i don't think so Is this scene an homage to something that would rhyme with Blen under a blumpster? <laughs> <laughs> I I'm confused. I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, oh, now I know what you're Okay, I get it now. No, actually. No. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll we can talk about that too, but um it actually it has to do with the Rosita Father Gabriel scene. Okay. Um, just some you neither need to sort me out and and set me straight here or i just need an opportunity to really express my confusion um Mm -hmm. i don't know if my confusion is warranted or not but we'll talk about it when we get there so so yeah uh episode starts off with rick and michonne searching for stuff um the the montage of them looking through things and that sort of thing and um uh, we see them come across some saviors and they mm-hmm. steal some batteries from them, which I thought was pretty bold. Of Do them. you think they killed them? Or you think they just stole? Because that was a I, question I had. Yeah, I really hope that they didn't kill them because I feel like that is just inviting chaos prematurely. Yeah. Um, and I think even just taking the batteries was inviting chaos prematurely. Sure. So I, it sure. seemed a little reckless. But at the same t- time, I get what they're saying, which is that they've decided, you know, they're not, it's not worth living under their thumb anymore. So they're just going to, you know, do what they have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it would be really reckless to kill them. Yeah. They, they should want to, you know, sneak up on them a little bit with their, their army. Sure. Don't need to have them come after them before they're done making their army. Yeah. I will say I enjoyed the score. Yeah. For the, for the I was going to say for the montage, but even just overall, yeah, the score, score in this episode was so good. It reminded me a lot of Room. Okay. Yeah, I could I could see that or hear that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like kind of explosions in the sky or yeah. autumn leaf. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I made a note that um, when Tara is talking to Judith, I like the music there yeah. as well. 
we hear Rick say that he likes to stay up on guard duty. Um, Michonne thanks him for staying, keeping watch during the night, and he's like, oh, I like to do it. Which, of course, later we find out that it's not entirely that he likes to do it, but it's because he can't sleep. Yeah. Um, which, um, I know we don't really get the big reveal on that till the end, but I really liked that, that they talked about how Rick can't sleep, um, because... You know, that's that's a very reasonable response to everything that he's been through. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it seems like our characters are impervious to PTSD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I, I get that with everything they've been through, it could harden them some, but and it has. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I think that I, I liked that whole, you know, reoccurring thing throughout the episode that Rick can't sleep anymore um i also like that he said or that he mentioned glenn namely yes yes oh i so appreciated that and i like that he specifically said glenn saved me in the start but i couldn't save him Mm -hmm. in that moment and he referred to him as friend yeah yeah i mean of course these are things we know but it's just so nice to hear him say it with such emotion yeah definitely Mm -hmm. yeah it feels like that's we've heard more satisfying expressions of grief from rick about glenn than from maggie (laughs) that's true (laughs) that's true wow yikes so uh then we get the scene with rosia being ridiculous to tara was that after the montage according to my notes oh okay yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. She's being super sullen and angsty, as she has been lately. And, uh, you know, these scenes are just endearing me more to Tara. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, by contrast, she's so much more reasonable. <laughs> yeah. I like when she was like, "You maybe you could save all this for them. You know, like <laughs> yeah. all this anger and hatred. And when she just gave the scar medication back. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, come on. just It makes no sense. Yeah. You're just writing a character that, like, you're just writing a character to be hated. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I'll hate him if that's yeah. what you want me to do. But is that really what you want me to do? you really want me to root for Rosita to die? Well, you know? yeah, I don't know if they want you to hate her, but I think they want you to um, sympathize with her anger towards Negan. And I could sympathize so much more if she was like, if she had even a shred of rationale. Just a shred. Yeah. You know, like when she goes to, this might be jumping ahead too much, but it just, it adds to it. when when she When she goes to... Sasha, and she mentions how um, Rick and all of them are impatient right after she saw all of the weapons <laughs> that Rick and Michonne found, and she needs to do this now. Right. Just thinking, like, this is exactly what got you into this problem in the first place mm-hmm. with you losing Eugenia. And of course, we'll get there with the Gabriel thing, but yeah. Yeah. Common sense. 
And as I said before, I, I, I was okay with her going rogue to get Eugene to make that bullet and do all that. Like, I thought that that was, um, that was an interesting thing for her character to do. And although it might not have been entirely wise at the time, nobody else was really acting. And so I get that she was like, I just, I have to do something. So I, that, yeah. was, that didn't really bother me that much. But I am very bothered by her at this point. Because yeah. she is she is so reckless, whatever she's going to do is going to put everybody else in danger, and it's probably not going to work. And why should it work, you know? Right. Like, yeah. You're just going just gonna to waltz right into the compound and mm-hmm. take out Negan? I mean, yes, Negan does strut around in front of guns, but still. Yeah. Uh... Um. I'd say best Rosita moment in this episode, though, was when she uh, was looking for guns and that absolutely terrifying walker appeared. The, uh, like, overweight lady zombie Oh, with the saggy chin. Yeah. Ugh. I didn't like it. You didn't like that moment? No. I liked the idea that the... Um, that the the gun that she thought she could get was a toy... Mm-hmm. But I, we're so past the point where like one walker is a threat, and then they play this like sting of music as the walker comes out, and it's like slowly <laughs> strutting out like it's not even not even a threat, and then she slices at it twice and misses, and she hmm. just cuts open the throat. And this is how they're building the tension hmm. when we know that realistically she would just like right down the center of the head. Hmm. I guess I didn't think about it about that. I just thought that was an ugly looking zombie. It was an ugly looking zombie for sure. <laughs> I mean, it was a good zombie <laughs> compared to uh, last week's five seconds of dissolving zombie mush. This episode really did um, was an improvement on that front. Yeah, there was a lot of Walker action in this one. A lot of Walkerisms. Yeah, yeah, they. Uh, They've been teetering. Episode one, I don't know if there were too many walkers. I can't remember, but episode two, a lot of walkers. Episode three, one walker. Episode four, a lot of walkers. Hmm. Well, there were a lot of walkers in, in the first one. That was the when they all got clotheslined and they surrounded. Oh, that was everybody. the first one? I thought that was the second one. No. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Second one was Winslow. Oh. For some reason, I thought that was in the same episode. Nope. Okay. All right. So Michonne and Rick, they find, very conveniently, a place with lots of zombies Mm -hmm. who have guns. And they're at a carnival? Yeah, it looks like a carnival. uh, So. Fair. Yeah. I don't you know, want to be overly picky about stuff. But I did find it, you know, to be very fortunate that they came across this. And I really don't mm-hmm. understand what it was, you know, that there's all these walkers with guns, so it's like a military compound or something. But mm-hmm. it's also a carnival? Why is it both? Yeah. The only... Th- only. The only way I can make sense of it 
is there was a carnival at one point, like a town fair. And uh, during the the outbreak, people flooded to this town fair because it's probably a town, like a, you know, like a town center kind of place because there were buildings there, right? Uh, factories and, or, you know, there were, I don't know, there were uh, like a bed store or something. <laughs> I don't know. They were standing on some sort of, some sort of rooftop. Mm-hmm. So I figure people probably went there for safe haven and the government. It was probably like a government sanctioned spot where they took care of people or made sure the, the virus wouldn't come through. And of course, you know, the apocalypse happens and everyone dies and everyone becomes zombies. So you have just a, a location with people that are now zombies and there are a lot, a lot of government operatives and soldiers so hmm. there that happens to be a carnival that's the way yeah. i see it because <laughs> <laughs> yeah i couldn't figure out why it would be like that and then it just felt like well it's just like this because a carnival that's filled with walkers is really creepy yeah and it wasn't creepy you didn't think so no i didn't th- i i thought that's what they were going for but i didn't find didn't it really creepy feel it. no um, if it was nighttime, maybe. Yeah. But it was daytime. <laughs> and everyone was joking. Like, Rick and Michonne didn't seem worried. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, the, there was so much about this whole scene that was just, like, ridiculously lucky. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, they fall through the roof. They just happen to land on a mattress. Can I just say... How many times do you got to walk on a roof that has water on it and fall through? Like, I feel like one time is enough. Well, okay. Well, one thing I, I do want to add is I don't get what's with – what is up with this these roofs giving out all over the place? It's because in real life, yeah, when, when it rains and when weather happens and whatnot, there's cleanup. It goes on top of these roofs and they, you know, scoop off debris, they scoop off water and they clean it so that the roof won't get rotten. Is there really? This is on flat roofs. Yeah. Because hmm. flat roofs will collect. Right. Yeah, yeah. And um, in the, a post-apocalyptic world, you know, you have all this pressure that's sitting on it and uh, water and, and weather and elements and things. So it'll get rotten and it'll break through. Okay, so yeah, yeah, you you learn something new every day. I didn't really realize that roofs like that weren't designed in some way to, you know, have runoff or mm-hmm. whatever. So okay, well, some I, some do, yeah. But it appears that there was a lot of water on this roof, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was it was flooded. Yeah, you know, and yeah. so when I saw that, I was like. They're clearly going to fall through. Like, this doesn't make sense. Why are you up there? <laughs> okay. So, but anyway, they're extraordinarily fortunate to come across this place where there are all these zombies w- with guns. And, you know, to think that the saviors haven't found it already. That anybody hasn't found it already after this much time. They're mm-hmm. just really, really lucky. And a lot of food. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was fun to see them catch a break and be able mm-hmm. to enjoy that for sure. Yeah. Um, I like the conversations too. 
Mm-hmm. So, but before we get to that, we have the scene that I must talk about for a little, for a while here. I have to I have to get this off my chest. The Father Gabriel Rosita scene. I don't understand what Rosita is upset about. And I actually wrote down most of the dialogue because I need somebody to explain this to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so Rosita says, I had a gun. If I had done it like I planned to, Negan wouldn't be dead. Maybe I'd be dead, but who gives a damn? Eugene would still be here. Olivia would still be alive. Spencer would still be alive. Mm-hmm. They're gone, and I'm here because I was stupid enough to listen to you. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Father Gabriel, I had to look this up just to be sure. Mm-hmm. And I found... Uh, an article that actually is excellent. I'll send it to okay. you. Okay. Um, but it's a it's a an analysis of when Rosita first came to Father Gabriel, uh, late in the first half of the season. Huh. And um, it really unpacked all that. Maybe I should just read a portion of it right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is by someone named Susie Graham. It's an opinion piece on undead walking. Dot com and it says the good padre in reference to father mm-hmm. gabriel has been making some very astute observations about the new world now that he's living in it and not hiding from it he told rick that he had faith in him he knew they would find a way to beat this they would get through that day and then find a way to move forward somehow there was a way when he saw rosita in the church with the bullet he didn't panic he didn't try to persuade her. He listened and spoke very few and deliberate wise words for her to consider. Instead of asking her what she was doing with that bullet, he asked her a question with a nice one-word answer that let her know that she could talk about suicide or murder and it wouldn't shock him. Is that for you or Negan? It's for him. Instead of asking why, he asked her how. How was she going to do it? She would pull the trigger. Gabriel let her know that the saviors would kill her as long as he goes first. So she knew, and she was willing. The next question was more important. Why do you have to die? Because he has to. I agree, but why do you? Gabriel didn't argue or try to talk her out of it. He dug deeper. Why was she willing to die? She gave her reasons. Behind those reasons was the real reason. She felt alone, alone and useless. And this is interesting. Everything she told Eugene, he everything she told Eugene he was in order to coerce him into making the bullet is what she felt about herself. You don't know anything, you don't do anything. People feel sorry for you. Eugene once told Tara that if he didn't save the world, he had no value. Rosita had just been dumped by Abraham and then watched him die. She'd just been told how strong she was by Denise, who died in front of her. She didn't have enough time to believe the things Denise was trying to tell her about herself. She used Spencer the way she felt Abraham had used her. Father Gabriel knew when Rosita told about the worthiness of all the others that could have been killed by the bat that day that she thought she was the one that wouldn't be a loss, that wouldn't be missed. 
And then it quotes Father Gabriel. He says, look at me, Rosita. It shouldn't have been you. It shouldn't have been anyone. We'll win, but we need to wait for the right moment or create it together. And you're a part of that together. Don't do this. We need you. Now that Rosita was pushed into trying to kill Negan after Negan killed Spencer and taunted the town standing in the middle of the streets of Alexandria, she will need to remember these words even more. Mm. I like that he he has a callback to that in this episode where he says, we need you again. Yes. Yeah. So, but uh, that, <laughs> what what is recounted in that article there is what I remember. Mm-hmm. which is that Father Gabriel basically just said, um, you know, you should do this with everybody else, and we need yeah. you to do this. We need to do this together. Yeah. Now Rosita is angry at Father Gabriel because he, she listened to him, supposedly. You know, I'm here because I was stupid enough to listen to you. Yeah. But she didn't listen to him. Right. She shot Negan. She tried yeah. to shoot Negan. And that was after Spencer had died. Mm-hmm. So she's complaining at Father Gabriel for not listening to him and claiming <laughs> that she did listen to him. Yeah. Yep. It completely makes no sense. And what doesn't make even more sense is that Gabriel embraces it. He doesn't fight back. He's just sure. like... He's like, yes, you were too, you were too stupid, not to listen to me, and you did pay attention. And I wanted him to be like, no, he should have said, no, you didn't pay any attention to me. You went rogue and you sh- tried to shoot Negan on your own. And you know, Olivia and uh, Olivia died, and Eugene was taken away because of that. Yeah. So I. Th- okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Help. <laughs> Help. Um. So you're on point. I mean, you're not saying anything that's false. Uh, I think this is partially to do with the writers. Um, Just stupid choices, because I'm with you. I feel like that should have been Gabriel's response. However, I think they're playing Gabriel on an angle. Mm -hmm. Um, They're playing up that Rosita's dumb and that she's... Not irredeemable, but she's just so stupid and so annoying that why should we care? Because that's kind of the response that Gabriel has. He's like, I, his response is kind of embrace what she's saying, supposing that he doesn't care. You know, like, why Why would he respond that way if he didn't care? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the answer. I don't think that he doesn't care. I think that he's responding in that way because he knows that Rosita's not going to res- that Rosita's not going to listen. If he said they died because it's your fault, she's either going to uh freak out and kill him or freak out and run away. You know, and and be self-loathing. Mm-hmm. So he knows the the more appropriate response is to is to lean in her into her beliefs that are already set and just kind of accept the view of himself that she has for him. Say, yeah, you believed this fool. So mm-hmm. what are you going to, like... He, he pushes all that away, and then he says this one very 
poignant statement. I think I wrote it down. Um, I didn't write it down. Something about uh, anything is possible until your heart stops beating. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's the point that he was trying to make, which is a dumb point to make because telling her that is kind of saying, yeah, do whatever you want to do because, you know, <laughs> you can do anything as long as your heart's still beating. But I think his, the deeper point that he was trying to make was anything is possible until you're dead. So don't go do something that'll make you dead. Right. Do something with this group because anything is possible. Right. That was his point, but I don't think he made it well. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't begrudge Father Gabriel in this scene at all. Mm-hmm. I I only feel frustration with Rosita, but I also feel frustration with the writers because yeah. unless they're really just playing Rosita to be completely nonsensical at this point and actually, like, forgetting what happened... Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like the writers forgot what happened. Right. Like they're she she is literally accusing Father Gabriel of being at fault because he gave advice that she did not heed. And mm-hmm. then she's blaming him for the consequences of her not heeding that advice. And she's claiming that all those consequences were because she did heed his advice. It's so right. weird. It makes no sense. Yeah. Like on any level, it just doesn't make sense. Right. Right. And I was thinking, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe when she first went and talked to Father Gabriel, she expressed something about how like she was gonna she was planning to go to kill Negan that day and but she had no plan. All her plan was was I'm gonna make this bullet. And then when I get a chance, I'm going to shoot Negan. And that's exactly what she did. Yeah. She's feeling super guilty, man. And I think she wants to blame someone. She doesn't want to take ownership. She's got to blame someone. So she's doing that with Gabriel. But here's the thing. It's not his fault. And the reason why you did this was because you didn't take ownership of your own stuff to begin with. If she would have just dealt with her own stuff, she wouldn't have felt the need to rush into killing Negan. She wouldn't have put Eugene on the line because she made the bullet because she was hasty. Mm -hmm. You know? She didn't need to do that. But she feels bad because she didn't do it the way that she had originally planned on it, and it was more of an emotional response than it was a strategic response. And if Father Gabriel didn't butt in, then she would have used the more strategic response. But now it's the blame game. Right. Which is just dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, like you, had felt some frustration towards Rosita, but this scene was especially where it just reached a new height for me. I was like... yeah. All rules of logic are, seem to be out the window at this point. And, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Father Gabriel demonstrated a lot of patience. <laughs> he just kind of ignored her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. 
He's like, you should do something better with your life that has been spared than yell at me. (laughs) It's basically what he said. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, so then we get the scene where Rick and Michonne are eating food and, you know, enjoying life mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, Michonne talks about, okay, so we're going to get these guns. We're going to bring them to Jadis. We're going to fight Negan. We're going to kill him. And then what do we do? And she suggests that somebody else is going to have to reorder the world after Negan isn't in charge and thinks that it should be Rick. And Rick's like, no, I don't want to, but I'll do it with you. You So this is a, this is an egalitarian relationship here. Mm -hmm. They are partners, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, It's very, uh, lateral. mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah. It's not a rictatorship anymore. No. Yeah, definitely not. One thing about... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Mine was stupid. Oh. (laughs) What were you going to (laughs) say? Oh, man. Okay, so... uh, (laughs) uh, This is the point in the episode where I started to fear a little bit... For Michonne's life. Oh. Um, not overwhelmingly so, but the seeds started to get planted because it just seemed like things are going really well. They're having a lot of good fortune. The episode seems to be emphasizing like how happy Rick and Michonne are together. They're planning yeah. for reordering the world together. Mm-hmm. And we know Rick's not going to die, of course. So... I was getting a little worried. I thought, well, I'm, I want to stick with my prediction that all our people are going to make it through the end of this season, but they may pull a fast one on me here and kill Michonne just in the middle of this half season, you know? Yeah. And so, and, and remember at that point you had, you had texted me already and you had said like, I'm looking forward to talking about this one. And then geez, dot, dot, dot. So I was like, Oh, that G's could be, oh my goodness, they killed Michonne, you know? Yeah. So that, I also had that in the back of my mind. Okay. So those two <laughs> things combined, I was actually getting a little worried, which yeah, I, I'm glad I was a little worried because it actually yeah. made that last scene more interesting for me mm-hmm. than it would have been otherwise. Um, so. Before we move on, because I, I have something to say about that as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when they were sitting there, and they mentioned Jadis. When that happened, I was like, oh, man, I hope they start talking about Jadis. And the, <laughs> like, can you imagine if they just, if Rick was like, yeah, what's going on with that, that Jadis and how she talks? <laughs> yeah, that would have been really good. It would have been great because I could see that happening with the two of them. And then if they you started know? jokingly talking to each other like that. <laughs> like throughout the episode yeah yeah that would have been wonderful oh my god <laughs> chili and macaroni you eat <laughs> come on me like <laughs> yeah 
I find car. I move car. Break not work. <laughs> I love the little beats that they had, though. Like, especially that one line where she's like, um, you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm okay. And he's like, I think I might have over. We might have overshot this one. She's like, you think? Yeah. <laughs> or you know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was good. I really was considering Rick to be a candidate for death in this one. Really? Yeah. It was on my mind hmm. because of how comical he was hmm. and how like lighthearted everything felt, and how he was just kind of like escaping death every which way. Like, we see him escape death with saviors, see him escape death with, um, and, you know, not really escape death, but, you know, they, they come across saviors. They escape death because they fell through a roof, could have landed on a, on a rod or something and died. Um, of course, with the walkers and with the car and the machine gun and everything, you know, it's yeah. just, see, things seem to point in that direction maybe for you it was more michonne but for me it was more rick that's why really? when that happened later on we'll, we'll of course we'll talk about it but i i'll save that okay interesting yeah. interesting so uh we get the scene with tara talking to judith which i thought was good you know just that contrast first of all we get reminded that judith exists which is valuable mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I thought that was nice. Yeah. She's grown up. And yeah, she's gotten a lot bigger. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because Judith is should be the, uh, the marker of how long the apocalypse has been going on. Right. I don't know if she actually is, but she should she, be. She looks about two. Okay. So two plus two and about a, half. a year. Yeah. So three and a half years, maybe about. I'd say that's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah, just that contrast of Tara talking about the horrible situation that they're in, that she's in and that they're all in, you know, with Mm -hmm. the innocence of Judith. Mm -hmm. That was good. Yeah. I thought it was nice. Of course, the score was was a nice addition. And I like Tara. Mm, so yeah, I do too. Yeah, getting getting to hear her kind of like solve these internal riddles out loud was kind of nice, you know. And of course, she's just kind of rehashing what we already know. But yeah, it was it was uh, thought it was good. Yeah. All right. So then we really shift into uh, Rick and Michonne taking on all the zombies. Um. I thought this was good stuff, good like mm-hmm. Walking Dead, classic action. Um, I think this was a Greg Nicotero directed episode. Yeah, I saw that in the in the opening credits. Yeah, which yeah. fits for the action sequences. Mm-hmm. Um, I always come up with creative ways to do things. Like I liked when uh, the zo- the walkers came around the dumpster and you saw Michonne's shadow slicing them and like the blood yep. on the on the. I thought that was neat. Yeah, that was um, cool. Rick getting that extra na- nasty walker off the car. That was that was pretty gross. Yeah, and uh, it's just kind of like pulling one piece off by another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know how it was gonna work. I mean, 
if a walker's stuck and it's the, the weight of a, of a human person, then pulling them is going to be tough, you know? And then pulling off rotten flesh. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I don't know if I've ever said this before on the podcast, but I think that if I were in the apocalypse, I would want a sword like Michonne. Yeah. Definitely. Like, oh, yeah, 100%. Um, Daryl's crossbow, It's it looks cool and everything, but it would just be so bulky, and yeah. and uh, you got to collect your arrows afterwards. And, mm-hmm. and uh, guns are loud. Mm-hmm. And, but, Speaking of which, can we just go back real quick to when she started playing Duck Hunt from the rooftop? Oh, yeah. With a, with a assault rifle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we're trying he literally mentions we need to be quiet because we don't want to we don't want to cause those walkers on the other side of the fence to come on our side and then she's like hang on a sec let me play some some target practice <laughs> yeah <laughs> makes no sense and then of course we have the saviors like how no how do we know how far away they are you know Right. Yeah, no, that's a good point, too. Making noise is not a smart thing to do. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, so I did think it was funny that moment when Rick and Michonne were both in the car, and Rick was like, I think we overshot that. Yeah, you think. But at the same time, I was also like, they're awful cocky, and like in this moment, when the car is surrounded by zombies, how are they going to get out of that? And it was very fortunate that the sunroof was there and they were able to climb through that but even then they're still surrounded yeah by the zombies and of course they got out of it and was fine but well they i really, was mm-hmm. they really seem to have developed this confidence that they don't need to be afraid of the zombies it's true i don't know if it's a smart confidence or not but i i was paying attention to that scene extra close the second time i watched it tonight and um, it didn't look like that there were that many walkers outside. Like, of course, it was surrounded, but it wasn't like they were stacked up against the car. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like there was walker, and then behind that walker, there was another one, and then behind that one, there was another one. Like, it wasn't a horde. It's just a yeah. small group. So I could see them getting out of it pretty easily. Yeah. How did Michonne get from the trunk to the sunroof? The back seat. Okay, so she was able to move. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it reminded me of the scene, I think it was at the end of season five, when Daryl and Aaron were stuck in the car and they were surrounded by zombies. And it really seemed like, how are they possibly going to get out of there? I don't remember that one. Daryl was making a plan for, like, he was going to, do something to try and get through and he was about to open up the door and attempt it and he was first he was just like just let me have just let me finish my cigarette oh and, he was like suicidal well i think he was going to try and make it so that aaron could get out right and he knew they couldn't just sit there forever but he also knew the zombies weren't going to leave yeah and so he was making a plan but then morgan showed up and took care right. of them all right yeah so I guess this was not quite as dire because there weren't as many, but there were uh, there were a lot. But this time, 
whereas last time, like you felt like Daryl was preparing to die. Like this is yeah. it. there was this real gravity to that moment. This time yeah. it was just like, haha, we overshot it. You know? Yeah, kind of slapstick. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just sure. noticing it. Yeah. So foreshadowing? Foreshadowing? Maybe. Like what do you mean? Like foreshadowing what? Their arrogance. Oh, 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 right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They are awfully cavalier. Yes, yeah. So then we come to the big moment where Rick is climbing up the Ferris wheel because he sees the deer. Wait, I know before I kn- this, can I just ask you, would you take a stick with a hook and use that as an impaling weapon for zombies? Well, and he didn't even use it on the head. He used it on the like his knee. Yeah. That was so weird. Like, Rick's been doing this for a long time. Why did he do that? Yeah, it seemed like kind of newbie moves. <laughs> right, and I'm kind of surprised that it worked. Like, yeah. the zombies still fall down, fell down. He just hit him. Well, there a were stick. a couple times. Yeah, there were a couple times in this episode where they did not give him headshots and they went down. Hmm. A yeah. handful of times. So, yeah. Nicotero, come on. <laughs> yeah, the zombies have definitely lost. They're uh, they're not as threatening. Yeah, I, I miss the days where you'd hit a zombie in the jaw and it kept coming at you. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Or or even when you'd hit a zombie in the skull, and it didn't go deep enough into this into the brain, and it would still come at you. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Early yeah. days. Well, they're all getting so decomposed at this. Point. <laughs> Yeah, these ones should be extra decomposed by this point. Yeah. So they're they're the Ferris wheel people. Should be there by day one, <laughs> since day one. So, yeah, Rick climbs the Ferris wheel to get the deer. I know I need... The deer. I, <laughs> I'm just waiting for this moment for you to talk about the deer. I it looked so bad. <laughs> So, okay, normally when you bring up practical effects stuff, I'm like, eh, it's not that bad. But yeah. I definitely noticed that was not a real deer. It was very <laughs> clear, very clear to me that it was not a real deer. Real deer. <laughs> and it was a phantom, evidently. <laughs> I'll get to that, too. That's Later. right, yeah, because it seemed to run away, but then it ran back just so it could get eaten. Right. <laughs> That deer was the sacrificial <laughs> lamb deer it, because it, it like deliberately had to have run back and put itself in between the zombies. Yeah. Yeah. When we can't even see him, though. Right. You know, like yeah, in yeah. between Rick and the zombies. Yeah. And it's like the fastest deer alive, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is CG, so. <laughs> It looked like a hologram deer. Yeah, it's like a hologram out of the 80s. Well, yeah, kind of like Princess Leia appearing in Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. I've noticed, uh, reading reviews online, a lot of people were talking about the deer. Were they? Yeah, and it's funny because they're, like, creating memes with 
you know, Rick up on the Ferris wheel and then they'll like Photoshop in uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer from the 60s <laughs> puppet claymation version. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so. Wow. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know what happened there. That's. In it, it, when you first saw the deer, I'm pretty sure it was a real live deer. Like the the not not when um, Rick was up on the Ferris wheel, but initially there was a shot of a deer. Um, I didn't and, see any deer until real. he was up on the Ferris wheel. Huh. Well, there was. Try watching it again. I, I'm pretty sure there was. But yeah, once once Rick gets up there on the wheel on the Ferris wheel, that's when you see it again. And it's like, Oh, that's a very non convincing deer. Yeah. Um, that clearly was not, I don't know if like they accidentally sent the live animal home too early and they're like, <laughs> Oh no, you know, we have to get this film today. And, I but, was thinking they, they must've accidentally used the first render on this deer huh. in CG. Yeah. You know, like, Oh, whoops. We didn't use the final render. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Huh. It looked so bad. And it was so, like, it was so uh, synthetically still. Mm -hmm. You know, it looked like a photo. I noticed watching it later that the body didn't move at all, but the head did. Yeah. At one point. Which is not how anatomy works. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, yeah, somebody dropped the ball there. Yep. It seems hard to believe that the highest budget show on television, you know, with all these incredible Walker effects in the same mm-hmm. episode, mm-hmm. would uh, have this much trouble with a deer. But it seems like they could have just made, if they can make those zombie, like, things. Yeah, make an animatronic a deer. deer. Yeah. yeah. That was more com- Seriously. convincing. Yeah. But anyway, the deer aside... So, the the moment when Michonne sees the zombies eating the deer and thinks that it's Rick. Now, here's how I experienced that scene. Mm-hmm. I did not for a moment think that Rick was being eaten. Mm-hmm. Didn't even occur to me to be a possibility. So, I felt no suspense from that. But I did feel genuine suspense that Michonne was going to get eaten or bit. Oh, in that moment. Bait and switch. Absolutely. I thought she's dropped her sword. She's standing there. She's realizing Rick is gone. She feels like she has nothing to live for at this point. And this would be the ultimate tragedy for after the future they've been planning together for her to give up that future when she sees Rick being eaten. And then we realize Rick's okay. And, you know, Rick has, has to deal with the tragic with tragedy of him recklessly going after this deer and it resulting in Michonne's death. And yeah. I didn't I wouldn't necessarily say I was like, oh, I know what's gonna happen, but because the seed had been planted on earlier in the episode that I was worried about Michonne. I was yeah. very worried about Michonne in that moment. Yeah. Hmm. And um of course I'm glad that that didn't happen. That would have been unbelievable. Yeah. But like, I get it's but that didn't cross your mind when you were watching it? No. Yeah. Uh so you might laugh at me, but when I saw this episode the first time, I was genuinely affected. Mm-hmm. And 
I feel kind of embarrassed to admit that. Because... <laughs> um, I, like I said, I had felt like throughout the episode they were playing uh, Rick to be, you know, pretty cavalier and arrogant and just um, Daredevil-esque. You know, like he was willing to take stupid chances because he knew he could. And to me, that's the mark of someone who's in danger. And then I had in my head... Oh, shoot. I wonder if, like, Rick just wants out of the series. Hmm. And they're like, oh, maybe we need to kill him off because he's, you know, getting rid of his contract or whatever the case. Um, then, when I saw the deer run away, to me, the deer ran away. <laughs> you yeah. know, I didn't see the deer come back. And right. I didn't see any other human beings around. I didn't see any other animals around. So when they started eating something, I was like, well, no deer is here. It's Rick. <laughs> like, literally. Well, of course, you are completely right that there was no deer there. <laughs> yeah. The deer miraculously transported <laughs> right. into Rick's position. Right. And... um. And then, so I had I had uh, two trains of thought. My first train of thought was, "Oh my God, Rick is dead!" And <laughs> I felt like, so all right, I'll I will just come out and, and admit it. Before I watched this episode, the night before, I was thinking about watching this episode, like thinking, "Oh, I'm excited to watch The Walking Dead or whatever." And then I thought, I wonder if if Rick died, if I would feel anything. At this point, because like this whole season has gotten me so cynical towards the show mm-hmm. with, with because it's been such a Jurassic change. Like it, they've just dropped the ball so many ways. And then I was thinking, have I spent enough time with Rick this season after not binging it? Because I binged all the seasons up until season six. Hmm. So not watching Rick every consecutive episode this season. Am I going to miss, would I miss him if he died? Then, in this episode, I thought he was dead. <laughs> and when I saw Michonne, like, you know, the ghost, uh, radio silent in her face and the whole, like, she played it beautifully. Like, it was oh, yeah, just yeah. unbelievable performance. Like, unbelievable. I thought both of them did, like, Emmy performances in this episode. Um, but... I, I I thought, yeah, like, they don't want to show us that Rick is dead because they want us to feel it through her. Yeah. They want us to be our, our surrogate, and then they'll have to reveal that it was Rick. But they want us to really feel it before we see it. So the whole time, like, I felt it in my stomach. I felt tingly all over. I felt sick. Oh, like, wow. I was, I was like... I was like, wow, I really would be upset if Rick died. <laughs> and then, of course, they reveal uh, Rick coming out of underneath the the carnival dumpster. And, um, and then throw a sword that also teleported closer to Rick because she didn't drop it all the way over there. <laughs> I didn't even you have a lot of teleporting that. objects. <laughs> yeah, what the heck? That's right. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, my only objection was, can you really throw a sword like that? <laughs> well, evidently you can. I mean, it looked cool when she caught it, and she. It did look really. It did cool. look really cool, but I thought it's probably pretty unwise to throw a sword. <laughs> At your Especially one. at someone who's delirious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she looked so happy to slice those heads. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so I, I was pretty sad about it. Yeah. And I, I felt I felt good. Like when they revealed that he was alive, it was such a relief. And it wasn't like this extended three month period of time <laughs> that it happened. So <laughs> like when it happened, I was like, oh, whew, Okay, pick that sword up, Michonne. Let's get to it. <laughs> I'm just imagining, though, if Rick really had died, like, I think that people would really consider that a jump the shark moment for the show because no one would ever let anyone, no one would be able to forgive that it was because he went after the hologram deer. Right. <laughs> after seven and a half years on the show, the main character of the protagonist dies because he's trying to kill a deer that looks like a hologram. Yeah. My other train of thought was this is all a dream, a Michonne dream. Okay. When he died. Because I, I thought, like, like I said, to me, he was dead. Hmm. And hmm. it was either, uh, you know... He was dead, or this was a dream. Yeah. So I have a lot of conflicting feelings about that whole sequence. Um, Talk to me. Yeah, I... So on the one hand, I like that this scene made me feel genuine concern for a character that I would ordinarily think was safe. Mm -hmm. That being Michonne. And obviously it made you feel a lot of concern for a character that you normally think of as safe. Yep. Um so I think there's really something to be said for that, especially at this point in the show, to make us feel that. Um, but I just wish it had been done in a way that didn't involve such misdirection and like it just feeling like they're manipulating you. Like these these this sequence of events doesn't make sense. Like the deer mm-hmm. just miraculously transported. Like mm-hmm. they could have shot it in a way where there it was more ambiguous about where the deer was mm-hmm. um but it just seemed like the way they did it that deer was clearly not there right and yeah yeah i don't they, why did they do that they didn't have to do that um and yeah the thing with the sword too um when that happened because <laughs> i was thinking too yeah like she could just pick up pick up your sword, Michonne. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, no, it needs to be thrown at you. Yeah. <laughs> the the sword must have like got caught up in the same vortex as the deer. Exactly. <laughs> the same vortex that the garbage pail people got caught up in caused them to lose their minds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh man. Um I uh, and I also thought that um, the the woman who plays Michonne Denai, I think is how you mm-hmm. say her, her first name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did such a good job there. Um, yeah, really, really, really great. Um, so I the value that for me in that scene was one seeing how much Michonne loves Rick, mm-hmm. um, and two, oh yeah, being genuinely afraid for Michonne's life in my case. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just wish it hadn't been done in a way that felt cheap and manipulative. Yeah. So, 
You ready to move on to the next part? Let's do it. So uh, next we get the scene with Michonne and Rick talking in the car, which I thought was very good. So good. um, Loved that Rick, as you said, brought up Glenn and how that was affecting him. Mm -hmm. Um, I... I really liked their whole conversation about, you know, you can you can go on without me. You know, right. you Rick being very real about we're we're going to fight this war and we're probably going to lose a lot of people, people we care about, we mm-hmm. might lose each other. Mm-hmm. You know, all very reasonable things to say. Oh man, yeah. Um said so well. Yeah. And I also appreciated Michonne's honesty about like I can't lose you. I've noticed yeah. that some people have um, expressed some frustration about that because they feel like Michonne is acting weaker than Rick in that moment. And what? And but yeah, I didn't feel that way at all. Um, and I, they they point out, well, Rick, Michonne has lost loved ones in the past, and that's true. Um, but you can only take so much, right? You know. So I think her basically saying, "I can't take it again. I can't, yeah. you know, go back to because remember what Michonne was like in the beginning. Yeah, how how quiet and inward focused, you know, um, mm-hmm. introverted she was. Um, how many walls she had up mm-hmm. at that point, and how much she's come out of her shell. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, I think, she knows that she would be reverting back to that, and she mm-hmm. just can't can't take it. But yeah. Rick wisely brings up that that is what, like, she was the one who said the life that we're living is not worth living. Yeah. And she, yeah. it was her uh, encouragement that was the impetus for, like, taking this risk and fighting back. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, as Rick Rick says, it's worth it, even if we lose each other, because mm-hmm. we're trying to create a better future for our you know, Judith and um, Glenn and Maggie's baby. And mm-hmm. um, so, so good. Yeah. It was such a good scene. And I loved how, I loved how after Rick mentioned Glenn, Michonne reaches over and takes his face and says, I'm sorry. Yeah. That, I thought that was so powerful. Mm-hmm. Because at first I didn't realize what she was saying she was sorry for. Like, because I know that she loved Glenn just as much as Rick did, or at least I assume she spends so much time with Glenn and getting to know, like, becoming family with these people. But then I realized, wait, Rick has known Glenn from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And he's become like a brother to, to Rick. Yeah. And... And and Michonne has a has a moment of sincere compassion for Rick. Mm. That was I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, very simple. Just I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what else I have to add about that. I I, I just thought it was a good scene, and I thought mm. it raised, um, it said aloud some things that are usually always under the surface, and mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of the time. In in stories, movies, drama, it's better not to just say things. It's better to have them under the surface. But sometimes mm-hmm. it is good to bring them up to the surface. Yeah. And this was one of those moments where it was just it was just effective for them to openly say, like, we could lose each other. 
and yep. to wrestle with the question of like, well, is what we're doing still worth it, even if we did lose each other? Mm-hmm. And um, it seems like they're not entirely on the same page there. But Rick's mm-hmm. trying to, because he knows it could be him that goes, and yeah, he wants her to keep going even if he's gone. And and he points out, if if I can't lead them, you're gonna you're gonna need to be the one to do it. Right. So all of this is very ominous. You know, it makes it seem like they're foreshadowing that one of them is not going to be around. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know if I hope that is not the case. It could be that they're just sort of inspired by what happened to Glenn and Maggie, that it makes sense to talk that way at this point. I um, think it's more that, yeah. to be honest. I don't think we're going to lose either. Yeah. Um, yeah, if we, if we see Michonne go, we're going to see a new low for Rick. Yeah, and I think we'll see a new low in viewership, too. Right. <laughs> they, they have to give us a victory. Yeah. They have to. So, um, then we are back to the garbage pail kids. And actually, you want to know something funny? The first time I called them the Garbage Pail Kids, I just said that. I don't know why. Yeah. I just did. And they're being called that in on other websites. Like Really? Yeah. Where they people stole it from episodes. you. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's just people see them and they think Garbage Pail Kids. I googled Garbage Pail Kids cuz I just uh-huh. sort of I knew I was referencing something but I wasn't sure what it was. Have you heard of the Garbage Pail Kids before? Yeah. 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 Do you know what they isn't are? It, isn't it from Annie or something? No. Well, unless it's from more than one thing. But the Garbage Pail Kids were like this dark uh, spoof off of the Cabbage Patch Kids in the 80s. Oh, whoa. Do you know about the Cabbage Patch Kids? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cabbage Patch Kids were a series of dolls. Mm-hmm. Based on babies from a cabbage patch. <laughs> yep. Very weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice description. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I remember when I was, that's what's like some of my earliest memories are that like my friends, my, my kid friends and like play group and that sort of thing had, cabbage patch dolls i never had one i was never mm-hmm. interested but the garbage pail kids was like the series of trading cards that was a spoof on the cabbage patch kids interesting yeah huh so Weird satire yeah people seem to be on board with that name so hmm. we can pretend that they heard it from us <laughs> um so this scene why did Rosita not acknowledge the fact that we had guns? <laughs> like a lot of them. <laughs> I'm guessing, of course, that she took one of the guns that yeah from there. That was the yep. gun at the end that she gave to Sasha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's oh, a mess. Yeah. Oh, and Jadis reached a new height of, of annoying for me in that scene. Like, she was yep. just speaking even more in that weird dialect. Operational all? Right. <laughs> I just it's wish just someone would... I just wish someone would be like, why? Yeah. 
And why is Rick not just saying something about it? Like yeah. <laughs> when that girl, she said, um, I wrote it down. So it was so dumb. She said, expect us like to, to, to clean the, the guns. Uh. And then he responds like, I gave it to you. It's your job to be able to clean it or something like that. And I'm thinking like, no, ask her what she means. Yeah. Expect us what? <laughs> like, what does that mean? Right. Well, the only one that had a reasonable reaction was Tara. Like, she she was openly confused by the way they were talking. Was Did she? you notice that? Yeah. No. She, um... Yeah, she question she she asked a question. I can't remember what it was. But yeah, she I did not catch that. Yeah. But yeah, I just And then of course their bargaining moment where inexplicably because Rick added the word say yes. Yeah. Then that changed everything. He was actually able to double his request. Yeah. Even though the first request was turned down, he doubled it. <laughs> Doubled it for his favor, right? And added, say yes, yeah, and then it worked. Oh, you speak our dialect now, yeah, you speak like me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I honestly, I, I totally hear what you're saying there, and that was that was annoying. However, I did like that he was able to double it and like stand up and, and yeah. get her to, to say yes, right? Yeah, I did like that. Yeah. Yeah, and they really should have been more enthusiastic about that enormous pile of guns. Right. Yeah. 65 guns is not a small batch. No. Yeah. They were wildly successful. Yeah. And they but- it wasn't even like they were pistols. They were like they were assault rifles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and yeah all i can say is they better act quickly because you don't want the saviors coming through looking for mm-hmm. what they can get oh that was that was a question i had for you um when they when the alexandrians take the guns back where are they gonna put them the 20 yeah. guns that they bring back right what are they gonna do with them I don't know. Just need to bury him in the ground or something. I don't. But then, think... what good are they going to be to them? They can just give him to Rosita. <laughs> She'll find something to do with him. <laughs> just carrying this like big uh, blanket of guns behind her, dragging it on the ground. <laughs> um, I also wanted to ask, what cat? What was uh, the cat? Yeah, at the end of the uh, the last episode with the Garbage Pail Kids, two episodes ago, at there was like this weird cat-shaped th- um, thing, I think. It, oh, the statue. The statue, yeah. Not a real cat, but a statue Okay, cat. I thought and they then, were referring to Father Gabriel. I was like, is that some sort of weird, like, derogatory <laughs> slur for a priest i don't know of <laughs> he's a cool cat i want the cool cat back we want the cat yeah so actually 
Yeah, Rick got that to give to Michonne, which is a callback all the way to season three. I think the episode when uh, Carl, Michonne, and Rick met Morgan when he was crazy. Clear? I think so. I think it was that episode. And during that episode, Carl went somewhere to get something. He Oh, he wanted um, a, a picture of his, he and his mom. And, and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Michonne was with him. And this is when Michonne was pretty new. And this was like the scene where Michonne kind of endeared herself to Carl. And, yeah. And like helped. And she got the paintings? She Yeah, she got the picture. But she also brought took a cat too out from like a multi colored statue of a cat or something, and she held it up and she's like, "I got this too." And she was like, "She was like, I just liked it." Yeah. So I guess at some point they lost that cat, and so Rick was getting her a new cat. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Cool. I like that. So, last scene. Rosita goes to Hilltop where Sasha is conveniently happens to be mourning um, at the grave sites just as, as does. Rosita is arriving. <laughs> They're both mourning the same man. The thing about it is like with both Sasha and Rosita, I never really had a sense of a strong connection between them and no. Abraham. And so no. you just you feel like you're seeing them more bent up bent up about this than than Maggie, Maggie is about Glenn, yeah. and it yep. just doesn't land. It's so out of balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this moment was my second most frustrating moment behind the nonsense of Rosita talking to Father Gabriel. Sure. Um, just because I knew it was supposed to be like this moment filled with drama, um, and I just don't buy that these two women are are for going on this suicide mission yeah. where they're expecting, okay, yep, let's just go die now. Right. Um, when if you just were wise about things and let let this plan play out, not only will Negan more likely be destroyed, but you will be alive too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Ro- it's not like Rosita didn't see the abundance of arsenal that we got right yeah and she said rick needs to get more guns well yeah at least now you know that he wants to do something because before her problem was rick's not going to do anything right now we know he's going to do something and you still want to go rogue you're just an idiot and i want you to die yeah (laughs) that's how i feel (laughs) yeah yeah it is ridiculous and what they seem to be setting things up for is for them to go into the heart of the compound, for them to fail, for them to get caught, and for it to cause all kinds of problems. There is precedent for this in the comics. Yeah. I could talk to you about it if you want me to. It's actually I... it it's it's a frustration that I have. And I mm-hmm. honestly I would like to talk about it. I don't think it would be a spoiler. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. If if anyone who's listening doesn't want to listen, uh, skip ahead about a minute, <laughs> minute or, minute or two. If anyone who's listening doesn't <clears throat> want to listen, stop listening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. So in the comics, 
instead of Michonne being with Rick, Rick is with Andrea. Oh, okay. And Andrea's become more of this, like, Michonne character who's class A, she gets things done, she's a sniper, like a real good sniper. And that's why we see Michonne kind of, like, working with her sniping skills. And then eventually, during the preface of this war, there's this other girl who is blonde, who kind of resembles Andrea, who goes to try to ambush Negan, and she goes on this suicide mission to the sa- to the Savior's camp. She fails mis- miserably, and Negan thinks he has this ace in the hole. So he, he just keeps her. It's like, I'm going to keep her and use her for when I need to, like have uh um uh leverage against nick uh against rick and it never happens and it never works because that's not andrea so andrea is fine and what i think they're trying to set up right now and this is this bothers me to no end is they're i think they're trying to set up sasha to be the Michonne of the Andrea in the comics. Okay. The girl who like goes in that tries to take Negan out, but Negan thinks that it's Rick's girl, but it's really not. And so my issue with this is like, look, I get Sasha's black. I get Michonne's black, but just because they're black doesn't mean they look anything alike. Mm. They don't look anything alike. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On so many levels they don't look alike. Yeah. And so if they if they do this, I don't know. There's uh, it's just going to be way too unbelievable for me. Yeah. And it's not like Negan hasn't already seen Sasha and Michonne. Right. Huh. Yeah. What I don't like it. Yeah, and, and and that seems to be the direction. Yeah. Right? Why did Rosita even go to Hilltop? Was it specifically to recruit Sasha? Yeah, because she have... wanted... Because Sasha's the sniper. Okay, that's right. So she wanted Sasha to snipe him. Okay. And then another issue I have is... How does Rosita remember everything Daryl and Carl said about the inside? I find it very hard to believe not only that Rosita is able to remember that kind of information when when they're not even addressing her, they're addressing Rick. So she's basically eavesdropping and remembering and recalling all of the the turns and, and rooms and everything of the Savior's camp. And that's, that's relying on very very shady information because carl (laughs) like have we ever had any kind of inclination that carl has a good memory i mean we know he's not like dwight at least um but then then uh i can understand daryl because daryl's a tracker you know i get that but i can't believe that uh if I remember correctly, they were they were writing it down and drawing a map for Rick, right? The Savior's compound when Daryl got back. They weren't talking mm-hmm. about it necessarily. 
And Rosita yeah. wasn't watching what they were writing. So yeah. she was just listening and recalling. That's weird. And I don't buy it. And on mm. top of that, if she knew this, if she knew that they were getting the plans to the Savior's safe house or the, the, the sanctuary, she should understand that they're trying to do something. That they're yeah. getting ready to go in. It's so, so ridiculous. Like, why would you be that callous about your own existence after surviving for that long to, especially when the chances that your plan is going to work are extremely low and the chances that you're going to mess up the good plan that is being worked on are very high. Yeah. Like, be encouraged that 60-something guns were just found. Yeah. Like, no kidding. Oh. Not only that, but they're trying to make Rosita seem so selfless because she keeps saying, I would rather die, or it's better me than them. However, she's being the most selfish out of anyone in the in the uh, series. Mm-hmm. She's making all the selfish decisions. So why are we supposed to believe that she's she thinks she's self selfish or selfless when she's actually selfless? Selfish, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a tongue twister. <laughs> it's getting late. Yeah. So, all right. Well, yeah, we're both in agreement. The last mm-hmm. scene is really does not land at all. It just, right. yeah, there's no dramatic weight to it, in my opinion. Nope. It just feels like, well, this is really stupid. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, so assigning numerical value. I don't know. I have a hard time with this because I still don't even understand in my head what, like, what our numerical values represent. Because, like, okay. like, say you go on IGN and you look at the reviews. If something mm-hmm. gets a 5, it's really bad. But I feel like on our scale, a 5 is more like... A 5 is just, eh. You yeah. know? Like, like a C. A C. Right. And then maybe a 7 is a B. 7's pretty good for me, yeah. An 8 is a B plus. A 9 B is, is a... Or an 8 is really good. Okay, me. so then, because by the scale, if we're trying to have some sort of consistency, like if seven is 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 a B, eight is a B plus, nine is a A, and ten is an A plus. Yeah, that's why I like the point system because it gives it a little bit more of a uh, uh, spectrum, like yeah. uh, just the nuances. Like I could give it a little bit more if I liked it or a little less. I'm very gradual with my ratings. Mm -hmm. Typically, if something is just above the middle of the road, it's like a 5.5 or a 6 for me. So 7 is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I I do have a hard time rating this one because I really have conflicting feelings about it. There was stuff Mm -hmm. about it I really liked and stuff about it I really didn't like. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... I'll go with uh, with a six point five. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it the same one, six point five for this one. I really liked the Rick stuff. 
Mm-hmm. So I was relatively pleased with the episode overall. But there were a lot of things that I did not like at all. Yeah. And then, but the the things that I did like shined. They were just, yeah. they were very bright. So right. I'm I'm going to be generous with this one. Yeah. It was probably one of my favorite ones out of this side of the season. Hmm. And of course, we're only four episodes in, but. Yeah. So we're halfway through yeah. half of the season. Yeah. It goes by so fast. It really does, yeah. And uh, you did you or did you not watch the preview? I didn't, but okay. but I could talk about it. Okay, if you know it, um, it's going to be a Carol and Kingdom centric episode, uh, and <laughs> it looks like it looks like things are going to go sideways with uh, the the Kingdom pickup with the saviors. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And it looks like Carol is Carol had was like fighting stuff and had blood on her face in the preview, so it looks like she's back in action. Hmm. Um, yeah. Well, it that seems, means hmm. it, go um, go for it. I was just gonna say it feels like the the tendency that we were seeing in the first two episodes to jump around between multiple storylines is now disappearing. Yeah, they do that. Yeah. Now it's the middle of the season and they feel like they could take a break from <laughs> being good writers. <laughs> it's just, it's so hard to feel the emotional resonance with these characters when you only see them like once a month and you don't see yeah. them for very long. And then you're trying, when they're, they're referring to things that happened like a year ago. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I want to be in real time with them, but we can't yeah. do that if they only if they like have a flashback episode, but it's a flashback to three days ago. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Um. Well, I don't know anything about that, but I will say I'm predicting that within the next two episodes, we're going to see the the ocean side i hope next week we still get our conversation with rick and tara i hope we still jump around and mm-hmm. i hope that next week we will see oceanside because mm. i don't want a whole episode with oceanside again right yeah <laughs> i agree yeah yeah i would like to see that intercut with the kingdom yeah that would be good because worth after next week it'll be three episodes till the end and by that point, we won't even be at war yet. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're getting close. We are. We got to move it along. We do. Okay. All right. Well, let's well, move this along. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time. All right. Signing off. Signing off.